0: Our passage for today is taken from John chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 13, as we continue our study through the book of John. This is the Word of God. After this, Jesus went about Galilee, about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of the booth was at hand. So his brother said to him, "Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believe in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast, for my time hath not yet come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, he is a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly. Heavenly Father, we know that only when you send the Holy Spirit into our hearts and give us new life in Christ, new birth we can understand these things that we are reading here. We know that only when you give us understanding of your word that our minds can be aligned with the message of the gospel. May you help us, Lord, as we consider these verses this afternoon to grow in our faith, to grow in our understanding of who you are, of your time, and of your mission. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're starting a new chapter, chapter 7. We spend five weeks in chapter 6, and we will be spending five weeks also in chapter 7, in chapter 7, starting uh, this chapter. And if we want to think what was going on before, it is important that we have like a summary in our minds of what happened in chapter 6 because that will help our understanding of what we are reading here on these verses. There will be, there are at least two main things that I could highlight from what we studied through chapter 6. The first thing is that Jesus spent some time with his disciples and the crowds and in a synagogue explaining the doctrine of salvation. Jesus was teaching the crowds and teaching his disciples and people at the synagogue that unless you come to him and believe in him, you will not have eternal life and will not be resurrected at the last day. So the requirement to have eternal life And be raised at the last day, which is when Jesus Christ will come, will return, is to believe in Jesus. Now he continues explaining to the crowds that he was the bread of life. And that unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you will not be saved. And we studied that and we understood that what Jesus meant by that is that you need to believe in Jesus to come to Jesus and believe in him in order to have eternal life and be resurrected on the last day. So that's the first thing. This was I would say is one side of the coin. The other side is how people responded to Jesus' message. First we saw that a large crowd was following Jesus. They were following Jesus because they were seeing the signs that he was doing on the sick. They even saw that Jesus multiplied the bread and the fishes. And therefore, they said, this is the prophet that was promised in the Old Testament. And they wanted to make him a king by force. But then Jesus comes to them and confronts them and saying, you are only following me because... You ate the food that I provided for you. That's the real reason why you are following me. And he challenged them and told them, Eat of the food that is unperishable, and know this food that will not last forever. Jesus continues to explain the message of salvation, the gospel, the good news. And you will think as we saw last week that the natural result of good news or or hearing good news is that people will rejoice and will be even more happy to follow Jesus. But we we saw that the result was that people departed from Jesus. They left Jesus. Again, Jesus first preached the good news, the gospel. People heard the crowds that were following her, him heard the good news and eventually they left Jesus. And what is the reason? Why would they leave if they are hearing good news? It's because what Jesus was preaching to them was not aligned with what they were expecting from him. It didn't match what they have in their minds that a savior should be. Now, today, in a sense, we're seeing something similar, but this time from people that are very close to Jesus, his own brothers. And I have three observations that I'd like us to to make of these verses, this conversation between Jesus and his brothers. We're going to make three observations about Jesus' brothers, and eventually, by the end of the message, I want to challenge us to make the same observations about ourselves. The first observation that I want us to see is that their belief was not aligned with Jesus' identity. Their belief was not aligned with Jesus' identity. John started the chapter saying, after this. And the natural Thing for us would be to think that he means after he met with the crowd, multiplied the bread, multiplied the fishes, went and talked to the crowd, and went to the synagogue and talked to them directly. But the reality is that there is more time and more things that happen between what happened in chapter 6 and chapter 7. So the after this is no like immediately, like we will find in the book of Mark. Something happened here in chapter 6, and immediately something is happening in chapter 7. But John helped us to to know how much time has passed between chapter 6 and chapter 7 by by saying in verse 2 that the Jews' feast of the booths was at hand. That the Jews' feast of the booths Was a ham. Well, first of all, we have to then remember that this feast will happen in fall, in that season. And how then do we know how much time happened or what happened before this moment? Is by looking back in chapter six, because there in chapter six verse four, we know that John is telling us that the feast of the Passover was at hand he's giving us these two markers that help us to see the distance between what was going on in chapter six and what was going on in chapter seven john tells us that jesus went about in galilee so he stays in galilee for a while and the reason is because he knew that the jews were seeking to kill him Now, how much time did he stay about in Galilee? I will say, think about this. The Passover happens in spring. The Feast of the Booths happened in fall. So it's about six months of time. And that, at the end, will be important for our understanding of why this feast is important in this passage. So, in other words... Jesus did the miracle of the multiplication of the bread. He talked to the crowd. He goes to the synagogue. He preaches the gospel. And he stays in Galilee for six months until until his brothers come to him because the feast of the booth was at hand. Why did Jesus' brothers come to him? I think because they thought in some way that they were good advisors for Jesus' campaign. They thought, well, maybe things are not going so well. Jesus is preaching and people are departing from Jesus. Jesus is expanding his message and the result is not that he's getting more people, but what is happening is that his ministry is shrinking. So they come to him and said to him what they thought would be a good idea for Jesus to do. They said to him, leave here, leave Galilee, and go to Judea. Why would they think that it was a good time to go to Judea? Because it was the Feast of the Booth. And I know that for us as Christians, the, the most important festivity that we will celebrate in line with what the Jews were celebrating was the Passover. But for the Jews, the Feast of the Booth was the most important. Important festivity, and the reason was because it was at the end of the harvest. They were celebrating. In fact, I remember going to my Zionist Jew friend' house where we were having a Bible study with him, and he had in his uh, deck or his balcony built up with pieces of wood a little tabernacle, because that's what people would do around the city outside the houses. When they were celebrating the Feast of Booths. So Jesus' disciples thought, why don't we go there? Because that's a, a prime time for you to show yourself to people and people could hear and see the, t- the kind of things that you are able to do. Let us read it with their own words. Leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. They thought you want to be known. You want people to know about your ministry. So if you want people to know about your ministry, go to Judea. You will have a good crowd there. Perform some of your miracles and for sure you will get a lot of disciples there. Think about this for a moment. Imagine that you don't have verses 5, 6, and 7. You stay there when the disciple, the Jesus' brothers, are suggesting this to Jesus. And we don't have verses 5, 6, or 7, for, just for two minutes. And then you read, After saying this, he remained in Galilee, so he heard his brothers, and he stayed a little while in Galilee. But after this, his brothers had gone up to the feast. Then he also went up. Now, you will think that, well, Jesus heard their advice, one thing. And on the other hand, that if you don't read what you read, especially in verse 5, probably, I don't know you, probably you will not see that wrong, what they are saying to Jesus. In a sense, you will think, well, they actually believe that Jesus has power. They actually believe that he's able to do miracles. And they are just, in their human perspective, giving an advice to Jesus why don't you show yourself? Because more people will believe this wonderful message that you have to tell them. But that's not the case because we have five seats. And seven. And in five, we know that for no even his disciples believe in him. Now, for you can translate it as because. Think about this that the very reason why they are encouraging Jesus to go to Judea is because they did not believe in Jesus. Does that make any sense for you? Well, maybe yes. But maybe it's challenging because, again, I'm telling you, it seems that they are actually believing in him enough to encourage him to go to Judea and to perform miracles because they know that Jesus will do it and people will believe. The problem, again, is that their belief was not aligned with Jesus through Identity. What did they believe about Jesus? They believed the same thing that the crowd believed: that he was a good miracle worker, that he could provide for them bread, that he could provide for people, heal him, that he could provide all kind of things for people because he had something unique to offer to people. But that doesn't mean that they believe. What we know, Peter confessed to Jesus when he challenged them. Do you want to go with them? And he said, where will we go? Only you have words words of eternal life or words of life. And we have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. I'm not saying that Peter and all the disciples at that moment have a complete understanding of Jesus, but they believe that Jesus had words of eternal life. They believe that even though they struggle to understand what Jesus means by eat my flesh and uh, the bread that came down from heaven, they believe that Jesus can offer to them eternal life, something that nobody can offer to them. But it is clear, and it's revealed to us, from John John is revealing to us, that his own brothers, think about this, people that saw Jesus growing up, that hang out with Jesus for a long time, that knew Jesus very close. And yet they did not believe. Because what they, they expected of Jesus is that Jesus will go show his glory, show the signs like a famous person and they could say, here is our brother. Look, this is our good friend. They believed that he could benefit them. Many people, in fact, were expecting a king that will deliver them, set them free from the Roman Empire. In fact, remember, people wanted to make him a king by force. Why did they want it to make him a king? Not because they wanted him to be the king of their lives, their lord of their lives, the one who will save them from sin, but because they wanted him to defeat the Romans and eliminate the oppression that they were struggling with. Remember that when they asked Jesus, can you show us a sign? And they they remind Jesus, our fathers ate the manna in the desert. They were thinking about the 40 years in which God was providing bread for them day by day. The same thing they were waiting Jesus to do. That he would be providing the same bread and fishes and some other things every day of the week. So what we see here, first of all, is that Jesus' brothers' belief was not aligned with Jesus' identity. The second thing is that their time was not aligned with Jesus' time. Read with me. I invite you to read with me in verse 6. Jesus said to them, My time hath not yet come, but your time is always here. I think that it's easier for us when we read this to think right away in the words that Jesus said to his own mother, right? In John chapter 2, verse 4 Women, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Remember that at that moment, Jesus was thinking about that moment when he will provide for his own wedding with the church with his own blood. On the cross. My hour to go to the cross and give my life for my people, my church, have not yet come. I think it's good that when it's translated into English, it's translated with two different words because the two words that are used here in verse four and verse seven are different regarding time. In verse 4 of chapter 2, is the word aura, and it's translated as hour. But here we have the word kairos, which is translated as time. Then what will be the difference? I will say, and commentaries will agree on this, that when Jesus is saying, My time has not yet come, he's not saying it in the same way he saw it. He said it to his mom that he was thinking about his crucifixion that moment. But he's talking about his time to go up there was not the time when they wanted him to go and also not the way they wanted him to go. Because remember, why, Jesus, why did they want Jesus to go there? They wanted Jesus just to show up. His powers his signs but they were not aligned with Jesus time another aspect of that is that there will be a time when Jesus will have to go there and that will be the next festival which will be the Passover and you know why will he go there at that time to give his life for people people would not expect that that would be the kind of glorification or Messiah that, that they were looking for. In fact, we saw last week that that was a scandal for them. That was offensive for them. But Jesus is saying your time is no my time. You don't understand God's agenda. And you are trying to control God's agenda. You are trying to be helpful managers of a campaign. This is no a campaign. This is God's plan to save his people and has to be organized by God's plan and time before the foundation of the world. We know that that's also the case because, and some people question this, Jesus told his disciples, My time has not yet come, and then he goes. But you see that he doesn't go as they wanted him to go. He goes not publicly, but in private. Because it was not as they wanted him to go. Third, their mission was not aligned with Jesus' mission. Their mission was not aligned with Jesus' mission. The world cannot hate you. But he hates me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. Think for a moment, again, based on what we've been talking about and, and what we know from these verses. What do you think was Jesus' mission according to his brothers? Go up, show yourself, people see you openly, and you will get more disciples. Think what you have done here, Jesus. I mean, it was great. You multiplied the bread and the fishes. But as soon as you started to talk about this flesh and blood, remember people were saying that was hard to take. And people started to leave. So I don't think that this is going well. If we want the real mission, the mission that they have in their mind, you have to go there, show your signs and I know, I'm not putting this in Jesus' disciples' words, but maybe don't say those other things that you already said, because that will just make the mission more difficult. But the world cannot hate you, hate them because they were just like the world. They were seeking be glorified and glorify others. If you go back to chapter five, verse 34, it says, "How long? How, how can you believe?" Saying, this is important for believing. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? That's what they wanted. chose to show to the world his brother and to be able to say, he is our brother. But that wasn't Jesus' mission. The world hates Jesus because he testified about it that his works are evil. It's because Jesus' messages or message confront human sins. The fact that Jesus is the Savior and he's saying he's the bread of life, that people have to eat his flesh and drink his blood, is because... People need a savior because they are sinners. Therefore, Jesus is telling them, You don't understand my mission. And your understanding of my mission is not aligned with my real mission. I came to confront sin, and I came to deliver people from the slavery of sin while you think that I came just to create the greatest movement on earth so that people will crown me as the king, earthly king, and everything will go well for you guys because you are my brothers. Their mission was not aligned with Jesus' mission. Now, it's enough for us to be talking about Jesus' brothers, right? In fact, we have to be careful because James and Jude are in the Bible because they became Christians and they were used by God to preach the gospel as well right how about us their belief was not aligned with jesus identity how our belief is aligned with jesus true identity well first of all i think that we have to go back to the words that jesus said to nicodemus you need to be born again to see the kingdom of god and to enter into the kingdom of god you can hear the gospel again and again and again and again. And unless the Holy Spirit changes your heart and gives you new life, you will not believe. Unless the Father brings you to Christ, you will not believe. Therefore, you will not be aligned with the true identity of Jesus. Only spiritual people, which is people that have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, can understand spiritual things. Therefore, many people get different conclusions about who is Jesus. A good prophet? A good man? A good example to follow? But that is not the true identity of Christ. So we start there. But once you have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have our whole life to align our minds to who Jesus is. This is why Christians uh, go through devotionals, Bible studies, church teaching, studying God's word throughout their lives. It's not because we fail and fail and fail the class, though in reality we are failing and failing and failing, but it is because we are aligning our mind with who Jesus is. We are learning and learning more and more who is Christ. Christ. Therefore, we need that. Now, their time was not aligned with Jesus' time. And this happens to us all the time, right? We pray about things and we're hoping for things and we we think that unless this happens at this time, something bad is going to happen. So, God, please make sure that this happens right now. Otherwise, other things will not happen as I think they should happen. But God is perfect, right? And we bring our prayers to him. And some of us have waited for a long time for different things in life. And and we have to trust that God is perfect. Even he has granted us the Holy Spirit to bring before God our imperfect prayers. Because our prayers are not in line with God's will because we don't know it in terms of the future. And by God's grace, the Holy Spirit is translating to God our prayers with unspoken words, words that we don't hear. Their mission was not aligned with Jesus' mission. How about us? Well, I think that we have to start with the church. Sometimes the church... Or churches lost the mission, the real mission. Churches sometimes think that their real purpose in life here on earth is to help the world with some of the physical needs, leaving the gospel aside. But Christ came to preach the gospel, the coming of his kingdom salvation through Him. And we were having a conversation this morning with some brothers that we do that in an organic way. Yes, we, we help and do different things in life to help the world, but the center of Christ's church is the gospel, is our mission. But at the same time, for each one of us, we have to wonder if our mission on earth is aligned with God's mission. Not because we all have to go and be missionaries or not because we all have to become full-time ministers, but wherever you are, you are part of God's mission to the people that are around you. And sometimes we forget about that and we, we are more focused on other things, then we forget what is God's mission. My prayers, brothers and sisters, is that God will help us, starting this week, to align our belief, our faith, more with who Jesus is. That we will be able to understand and wait in God's time. And that we, in our mission, will be aligned with Jesus' mission for this world, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and patience, Lord. You um, continue to work in us and through us in so many ways. Even though our minds are no always focused in who you are, in who you are in your time. And what is your plan and your mission? Help us, Lord, to remember these words this week. Help us to come back to them in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.